very disappointed in you. You steal the secret of life and death, and here you are, trysting with the bubble-headed co-ed. You're not even a second-rate scientist. Oh, Mr. West, I'm actually glad to see you. It saves me the trouble of having to send for you. You'll never get credit for my discovery. Who's going to believe a talking head? Get a job in a sideshow. Welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies that is also spooky with Bryn and Jeremy. And today we are on week two of Spooky Month. Uh, Dark Council has voted on body horror, which we are sort of skirting around body mm-hmm. horror adjacent uh, movies. This one, yeah. I think, counts. <laughs> yeah, this counts. This definitely counts. A lot happens to bodies in this. There's a lot of <laughs> body horror in this movie. Um, as we talked about on the last episode, body horror is a sort of very specific genre when you get into it. Like when you try to define it, it's usually about a protagonist who's having the horror comes from something happening from their body. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie kind of gets there but the per- it's kind of confusing who the protagonist actually is yeah. uh, is it the girl is it Dan is it West is it yeah so uh, we are today we are uh, visiting the 1985 horror movie H.P. Lovecraft's uh, reanimator yes a classic a horror classic <laughs> uh, but uh, before we get there we will be talking about what jeremy watched this week and jeremy what did you watch this week thank you for asking bryn first of all you're welcome <laughs> my uh my rewatch of game of thrones rages on uh-huh um, i just passed the red wedding which i believe is the end of season three which uh for folks at home who have never seen game of thrones Wow. Have you ever go, heard of Game of Thrones? you ever heard of this show? It's pretty <laughs> fucking good to go out and watch it. Uh, the Red Wedding is an event that happens towards the end of, I believe, season three, maybe season four. can't remember now. Um, where almost every main character that you like in the show all gets killed all at once at a wedding. <laughs> uh, very gruesomely. Nobody really gets off nice in it. Uh, <laughs> everybody has a pretty gnarly fucking death. Um, and... Um, I got to say, you know, obviously it's a great show. Nobody needs me to tell them it's a great show. Um, but one of the things that's really I fascinating to me <laughs> that it's a great show? No. The first the first couple seasons? Well, I think it's a fun show, but take I out, mean, take out where it goes. It's hard to. <laughs> I don't think you can take out a show and say this part is great and so that it's well, a great Well, so that's show. kind of where I'm at right now is what I was thinking about a lot this week is like how during this time period of the show where it's kind of at its best before it starts to like severely decline, um, I think it's pound for pound, like 
it's it's better than anything you know that it competes against right it's better than the sopranos it's better than the wire it's at this time period it's wow when it's firing on all cylinders it really like it's just it's fascinating how many different kinds of show it is at once and how pretty good at all of it it is you know like it's it's when you're north of the wall when you're with the night's watch when you're encountering the white walkers and the zombies and shit it's pretty fucking competently scary you know like they do horror fundamentals pretty well and like action sequences across the whole show are all pretty fucking good um that stuff always looks really nice it's choreographed pretty well and by you know something i complained about last week in the first season about like the comedy that's all gone you know now it's like it's pretty sharp when it's being funny it's working really well like romance is going okay not great that's probably its weakest point is 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 romance that stuff you know like rob and his uh his bride that he uh betrays his movement for and whatever like that shit kind of stinks but yeah i i don't know i've never seen this i thought you did i've never seen season three Oh my god, dude! You gotta fucking uh, Dark Council. Do me a solid, would you? <laughs> Make Bryn watch Game of Thrones. You gotta I've, watch it. I've I have seen season one for mm-hmm. sure, all the way through that, and then yeah. I've seen uh. And then you saw the later seasons when it starts to really suck. Well, I think I've also seen the s- most of the second season. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where i stopped we're, we were me and chris were re-watching it he likes it a lot he he reads the books i know yeah <laughs> all the time he's a big game of thrones head um so i i've seen the first and i think most of the second season yeah uh and then i've seen whenever hodor gets dies. his brain snapped and yeah. whatever yeah i think season six and seven and eight mm-hmm. so one two six seven eight i think is what i've seen um which I, from what I understand, is missing the best parts. Yes, I think three, four, and five are the people say are the best. So yeah. I'm, I'm. It's I'm, like ordering a really nice burger and just eating the bun. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much like that. Good bun. <laughs> Good bun. <laughs> but it's got a lot uh, yeah. of the flavor of the burger in it. <laughs> yeah. You know, nobody will say it didn't get any drippings on it, but no. you're going to want to eat the burger too. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I do I do want to watch it, but uh I kind of think that eventually the at a certain point the Dark Council is going to make us watch it anyway, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of been like whatever. I'll watch yeah, it. Yeah, I'll watch, watch it. it then. Yeah. Um but yeah, I'm just It's long I'm, though. It's 8 seasons. It's a long show, yeah. Um Luckily, it's really entertaining, so it doesn't feel it, you know? Uh, there's very few... I mean, I think in there's kind of this, like, ditch area where um, they're starting to lose book and starting to get into, like, what they're making up. And in that section, it starts to really drag. That's uh, six, right? That's probably six and a little bit of seven, yeah, where, like, they have... Because they, they have like the ends of what's written and a lot of cliffhangery stuff from the, the last book that they're just kind of trying to like be like, oh, maybe <laughs> if we really stretch this out, he'll finish the book. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, that doesn't happen. He doesn't do that. He, he writes a video game. He's never game. going to. He's never going to. I think he even said it now. I think he's officially said like. Like, fuck oh, this. I don't want to do it anymore. He's like, I think he's saying now that like the next book will come out, but he's almost certain now that he's like not going to finish the series. <laughs> 
Dude, I wouldn't want to. What a baller. <laughs> like, I mean, if 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 you have this like thing that you started in your you know, like when he was writing the series, it was like a passion project with like no readers, right? Like he wasn't yeah. like a he was a, this was like a he's a fucking fantasy convention nerd who just like happened to get a hit with like right. the third Game of Thrones book, I think. Um, it took it a long time to catch on. And then it becomes this like huge cultural thing because of a the HBO show. And then they mm -hmm. finish it. And then it's like, okay, well, nothing I write is going to make anyone happy now. Yeah. Like this isn't a thing that I you're doing because you like it. You're doing it for like this mass of nerds who are like, tell me what happens to mm -hmm. Jon Snow or whatever. And it's and like- who like- you've Whatever. already seen cannot be satisfied not to say that the last season is good or that it should have satisfied people but it's like those people will never be happy there's never going to be something that you can write that's going to make them happy so you either got to find the motivation in yourself and feel for yourself that you have to finish the books or you just got to be like fuck it man i'm out <laughs> i'm done yeah i'm divesting um, and honestly, I, I think it's awesome. Like, I think, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think he should finish. He should live his life writing the things that he wants to write. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, he did an incredible, like one of the best video games of all time. Like imagine being fucking, uh, how old is he? Like 80 or something? He's 75. No, he's 75. He's 75. And then the best video game developer in history that you love is like, do you want to write the best video game of all time? He's like, yeah, like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then they do it. He's uh, a very, he's a very like David Lynch, like character in that way where like, yeah. he is just kind of like, I know what people want from me, but I'm going to do what I want to do. He's too old to not follow his passions. So yeah. I, I, I think that's great for him. I, I mean, I say this as someone who doesn't read any of the books and doesn't care. So sorry if you have like emotional attachments to this show or, and this, these books, but like, Come on, let the guy live his life. Let the man live. I love and that do he's um, incredible. Other things, play Elden Ring. I love it's that fantastic. he's from fucking New Jersey too. That's one of my favorite things about him is that he is not British. Like the the Game of Thrones as a or a Song of Ice and Fire uh, yeah. is so British, and everything about it is, <laughs> is you know it's it's all you know yeah, steeped in old real world British European history. European history, yeah. I just love that he actually has no connection to that whatsoever. He's no. just a nerd who just read about it. <laughs> just adapted it to be like kind of fantasy-ish. <laughs> <laughs> it's super fan. It's got dragons and shit. It's got dragons. It's got magic. It's got magic. Um, it's got zombies. I will say in, in this part of the show, I absolutely... I A lot of people complained about it at the time. I remember that like uh, Daenerys, uh, her exploits uh, you know, on the east side of the sea... You know, she's just kind of like going town to town, just like meeting new people and then conquering them. Uh, that's her whole story for like most of the show is she just like goes to a new place and like, this is Karth. Everybody's really fancy and nice here. <laughs> and she's like, ooh, neato. And they're like, we also have slaves. And she's like, I don't like slaves. Not I'm going to kill neato. you now. Uh, that's <laughs> not neato. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking bullshit, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's just her whole story is just like they introduce a new place show you what's interesting about it and then she just like kills them all and frees the slaves 
set. That shit rocks. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much fun. It's just such a fun little like monster of the week thing where they're like, this place is all made out of gold. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I mean, why I think it's such, such dog shit that the end of the sh- show is actually she's evil. Yes, it very much is like it's the kind of thing where you can tell that the you know the showrunners had a conversation with George and they were like, "Where is it going? Just I know you haven't written it yet. Just tell us like vaguely, you know, what's going to happen here, what's going to happen here, what's going to happen here." He you know he knows like the basic gist of what's going to happen, and he probably told them in the end. You know, Daenerys kind of snaps and goes crazy, and you know they have to stop her. Um. But you could tell that, like, in the book, he's going to, like, write a whole bunch of stuff about, like, you know, she's, like, unable to reconcile something with something else, and it just kind of drives her insane or something like that. But in the show, it's just, like, she just hears bells and goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. And it, and and in the show, it, it feels like it's uh, what it has this, like, dumb lib sort of thing of, like... Actually, she just loves killing. It's not about mm-hmm. her morals or freeing anybody. It's because any power is all powerful, corrupting. I feel like you could... I I imagine... I think the best faith reading of what he intended was like, af, like trying to make a commentary of like the struggle of freeing people is like exhausting and mm-hmm. the, the nuances of doing it creates it it makes it hard to be capable of telling the difference you know and i mean it's hard not to still like read it as like sort of lib hand-wringing about like revolutions or whatever but it's like i can imagine it saying something interesting about you know yeah or like or something about like ambition and like and and romanticism and like the way that she like her whole thing in these early seasons is like she sees slavery and she says this is bad i'm stopping it right there's no fucking you know there's no uh ambiguity in what her intentions are here like almost every time there's like a better thing she could do which is just leaving these people alone and you know consolidating her power in another way but she goes out of her way to like free people like in the most recent episode i watched she goes to this town that's like they don't have an army uh but they have these big walls and they just keep people out with the big walls and that's their whole thing is they'll just lock the gates and just like wait for you to fucking starve to death out there and they're peaceful people but they have slaves and the slaves are not soldiers you know so she gains nothing by freeing these people they just become her followers right because she freed them and they're free for the first time in their lives and she did it you know liberator yeah and 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 so it's like it's very obvious that these things are uh, like she has intention behind this that isn't just like conquering and gaining power and whatever. She's like gaining, you know, quite literally like a, a, a liability by having people following her around who aren't doing anything for her army, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of feel like maybe the direction that it would end up going in is that she like finally gets to Westeros that she has always known has no slavery. And she gets there and sees, like, the actual condition that people are living in. And she's like, this is literally just the same thing. Like, it's a little bit better, I guess, but not really. (laughs) And, like, maybe, like, trying to reconcile, like, the way that she viewed her kingdom 
versus like what's actually there when she gets there and what she's capable of actually changing for people and whatever. Maybe that drives her insane or something. I don't know. We're never going to know because he's never going to finish the books. No, he's so not going to. That's that's not important. Uh, the other thing that I watched this week really quickly uh, because there's not <laughs> much to say about don't it. Don't worry about it. I don't have uh, much to say about my thing. Uh, I watched uh, Final Destination 5 <laughs> in the spirit of Spooky Week Yay. or Spooky Month. Um, the fifth installment in the Final Destination franchise. I believe I have seen this before and I believe I maybe have even talked about it on here before. Um, I think you might have. Yeah. Uh, but uh, go ahead. Seems very possible. It's uh, the most recent installment from 20... Wait, 2011? 2011, yeah. That's crazy. They should make another one. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree. Um, but it, it's um, a cool series. They haven't cool series. done it in a long it's time. It's a great time. Uh, it is very much a, you know, uh, the Coca-Cola company is not a fan of me. I don't care. I'll keep drinking that garbage sort of a thing. Like, <laughs> I don't care anything about how these movies are. Like the, the quality of these can be dog shit i don't care <laughs> i will watch every final destination thing they put in front of as me. long as the traps are fine it's sort of the same thing with saw mm-hmm. like as long as the 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 mechanism and the the scenes are fun and interesting it's a good movie to me like but the thing that i like about final destination versus saw is that like with final destination there's no pretense of you know like this is about something yeah, like saw yeah. there's always this thing where he's like you you had a predatory business in your in your life you stole money from poor people now you'll have to pull coins out of your dick <laughs> you know it's, it's like there, there's always some sort of like an element of like this means something what i'm doing right it and doesn't you, matter you, but it's it's you that's preyed the setup, on yeah. little old ladies you stole their pensions from them now <laughs> now you'll have to pull a walker that i've put into your stomach you'll have to, it's a full walker <laughs> out of your ass uh, the only way to get it out is through your ass <laughs> live or die <laughs> i think i'm gonna die either way i don't understand what you mean those are the best ones the ones where it's like there isn't a way out of it yeah it's like what are you but he talking still does about? the whole he does the whole intro anyway <laughs> like, <laughs> the whole point of doing the intro to those is that the guy survives and tells somebody about it later otherwise you're just adding sensory input to a brain that's not gonna exist <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually very excited to watch Saw X later this month. We're mm-hmm. watching it for for the regular show. Yeah. Um, it's one of the most divisive Saw movies in a long time. Interesting. Uh, it seems like it's very well rated, though. That's what I mean. It's um, critically, like audience-wise, uh, I've seen some pretty people are very positive on it. Uh, Saw fans, like in in like message boards i've seen Mm. are like really divided on it like i've seen people say it's the best one and since like since since two i've seen people say it's their least favorite one ever even worse than like five and spiral and stuff so i'm excited to see it because it seems kind of like they do something interesting with it um it's probably just more of the same but i don't know yeah Uh, it's gonna be the same old bullshit i'm sure but final destination is yeah. cool because it's just like what if a Rube Goldberg happened that killed you? <laughs> yeah, there's like this kind of like vague thing that they have to do every every installment where they're just like you cheated death and death doesn't like to be cheated, so now he's gonna you know I I love that there's I, as far as I know at least I'm pretty sure I've seen all of these um, 
there's never an explanation for why the main person has the vision you know like nobody ever tells you why they had a vision that saved them to begin with and it's kind of fun that way because it almost seems like death does it on purpose so that yeah like, just can, to like, fuck with somebody just to fuck with somebody just so they can give himself a little treat you know <laughs> like a once a year sort of a nice little like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna loosen my tie a little bit and just have some <laughs> fun my hair work. down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not all business for death you know sometimes yeah. he likes to have a little bit of a good time <laughs> so this girl's let's see this girl seems fun uh let's uh sh- she's doing a week so let's tell her that a week before so we can have a week of her just flailing around <laughs> so yeah. this one starts with like a bridge collapse um, i almost wish there was a death character in final destination who behaved that way well they have like the candy man guy um, oh yeah tony todd is in it yeah tony todd is a uh he's a coroner that you see in every installment who explains the rules and i guess you're supposed to maybe think that he is um he's death or something uh but he could also just be like a guy who just knows stuff about it <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah this one is pretty all right it's um the bridge sequence is okay it's one of the big problems with it is that it was a 3D release, so it is just laden with, you know, 3D Ooh. bits. Yeah, <laughs> so like a lot of a lot of the deaths are like people falling on stuff. Um, there's like uh, in the bridge sequence, the first person who dies <laughs> falls through a hole in the bridge and then lands on the mast of a sailboat that's coming by <laughs> and just impales <laughs> herself on the fucking sailboat. Oh mast. yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then uh, some of the some of the kills throughout it are pretty good. I love that. Like by this stage of the series, like you know, in the first one, it's like really grounded and very intense. Um, you remember the first one is like very emotionally intense. Like you know, that like they're teenagers whose friends are dying, and they like go to the funerals and stuff, and like it really means something to them. And like yeah. the one guy they think is a suicide because he gets hanged with like the cable in the bathroom um and like him you watch his eyes get all bloodshot as he gets strangled and shit you know it's all very gruesome and grisly and real and this one like one of the deaths is like a woman who's like a gymnast and she's like swinging on the on the bar and then like some fucking dust just gets shot out in her face and she just freaks out and lets go and just like tumbles and lands on the ground and she just like blows up like a fucking water balloon Hell I like, yeah. I like reversed it and played it back like five <laughs> times just to like just to try to like see what their vision was for like what actually happens to her. Cause she like lands face first and like her back bends over backwards, which is like what what caused that? <laughs> <laughs> There's no like force on her bottom half that like snaps her in half, but she gets snapped in half. Somehow her like her leg busts open and like her knee bone is like sticking out. <laughs> This is all just from like a 10 foot fall. <laughs> she's going really fast, Jeremy. Yeah, she's going really <laughs> she was fast. swinging around. <laughs> in, the, in the bridge sequence, one of the guys who falls off of it, um, he gets like stuck through with some sticks and then he falls down the bridge and he lands on the cement part of the base. Uh, you know, like the, the pillars on a suspension bridge and there's the cement at the bottom that's in the water. Uh, mm-hmm. that gives it a little more foundation. Um, he like lands on that and like, but not fully, just his head. 
uh, and just like bursts out like like a full human body's worth of blood onto the thing as he falls down. <laughs> um, yeah, that shit fucking oh, yeah, rocks. Recommended, <laughs> big time. Recommend spooky movie time. Watch fucking Final so stupid. And then it ends with um, this is the one that ends with them on the airplane that um that crashes at the beginning of the first Final Destination. So the twist ending is that this is actually a prequel. Oh, yeah. God, they, I haven't seen this movie in so fucking long. Yeah, so they all end up... Like, the the thing is that the guy is like a chef or something, and he's going to go do an internship at a kitchen in Paris. And so the end is him getting on the airplane, and then you see Devin Sawa be like, the plane's going to crash, the plane's going to crash. And he's like... Pfft whatever man (laughs) not like i've just been through a very harrowing experience involving this exact thing (laughs) and then you watch the plane blow up and whatever and you see him burn to death and then that's the end yeah tight movie good ass time (laughs) (laughs) big recommend nice uh what did you watch uh well before i tell you what i watched i wanted to plug my my very dear friend Austin Jennings, uh, his trailer for his first theatrical film uh, with Vinegar Syndrome uh, mm. just dropped uh, this week. Um, it's been a weird thing where I've seen pieces of it, um, haven't actually sat down and watched because technically the final cut is not done. There's like a um, the- uh, festival cut that's been going around to theaters, um, but it's called Eight Eyes. Uh, the trailers on vinegar syndromes. If you don't know what vinegar syndrome is, they're sort of um, they're a uh, a company that does restorations and um, Blu-ray. They also make vinegar. They don't make vinegar. Uh, they do restorations of like grindhouse horror movies uh, from the seventies and eighties and sixties. Um, but they are branching out into uh, producing uh, an original film and. Um, this is their first one, and Austin got to make it uh, his first feature. Uh, it looks crazy. Um, I've seen pieces of it. I know it's fucking insane, <laughs> uh, but it looks great, and um, I think you should check out the trailer. Um, please go watch it. Uh, try to see the movie if you can. Um, not sure when it's coming out. Um, but what I did watch this week was uh, Wes Anderson's uh three roll doll short films. Ooh. Um there's he, three of them. I thought there was just the one. So there's actually four. Mm. Um <laughs> uh the big one is called um The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. Um there are three more called The Swan, The Rat Catcher and Poison. I haven't watched Poison. I don't think it's out yet. Mm-hmm. Or if it is it just came out um while I'm talking. Um I read an interview with him that he gave about these um, with uh, Deadline. Mm. Uh, the idea was he wanted, since he was a kid, he, he read Roald Dahl stories when he was a kid. He sort of like talked about in this interview how um, Henry Sugar was one of the first stories he ever read that was like in the voice of the actual writer, mm-hmm. right? It's Roald Dahl and he comes across this other story that's told to him about Henry Sugar, um, Henry Sugar finds another book that's this like someone's journal about 
stumbling upon a yogi who can like levitate. So it's like three stories deep. And we all know Wes Anderson likes to do that shit, you know, stories within stories. And so that was sort of like his original inspiration as a kid that he really enjoyed that and wanted to explore that in his movies. So he always wanted to make this movie, but it's such a short story. He realized like he couldn't make a full feature out of it. Um, so he'd always sort of been kind of trying to figure out a way to remake it. And, uh, I guess, Nef- I'm not sure if Netflix approached him or whatever, but he wanted to make, he decided to just make it a short film and then sort of do these even shorter ones around it, uh, in the same style. He kind of came up with the idea that he would just literally do the, like read the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the thing that's different about this from a regular Wes Anderson film is that um, it's the actual text, right? Like they say he said, and they, you know, it's just like, it's not, I don't know how to describe it. It's, yeah, uh, I watched a little clip of it on Netflix. Yeah, it's like, it, it has like the narrator voice within it. Yeah, and like the, sometimes the people are narrating it through through his voice. Um, it starts bookending with Roald Dahl actually being in the in his like little apartment or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really cute. Uh, it's a story about um, a guy who's a very rich, spoiled asshole who tries to figure out a way to see through things, like see with his eyes closed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then succeeds and realizes he can like cheat casinos to make a ton of money. And just cause he like wants, he's just a rich guy who wants to make more money. And as he realizes that he's just has sort of more money than he knows what to do with, he realizes that it's like kind of stupid and just sort of like spends the rest of his life making money for poor people and like trying to figure out ways to like fix people's lives and stuff so it's a nice sweet little story kind of a bedtimey story um but what's cool about it is wes anderson decides to like fully do the like kind of a play thing like there's a lot of like special effects that are sort of stage effects Mm -hmm. where like when the yogi levitates he like turns a box that has the background on it um, and then like sits cross-legged on that and it like mm-hmm. really looks like he's floating, but it's like a visual, it's like a obvious practical effect. Right. Um, but a lot of the scenes will just be like the flats pull away and then that's a different set behind it. It's all very sort of um, like, it's not trying to hide its setness. Mm-hmm. In a way that I would say is much more than his normal s- movies. Um, so they feel a little bit light. Um, they're not quite as heavily laden with emotion or metaphor as like his normal films. Sure. But as a as a visual experiment, they're all incredibly beautiful. Um in the rat catcher, it's about uh, Rafe Fiennes plays this rat catcher. And it's just about this guy who's like so into rats. He like is kind of turning into a rat. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's stuff in it like uh, 
like Richard Ayode, like holds, he says, the rat catcher held out a rat and like Ray finds like holds out nothing. Like he's not uh-huh. holding anything, you know, but then it'll like, there's a different scene where that includes a rat and it's like a very beautifully animated, like claymation rat. Uh-huh. So it's like, they could do it, but they're also kind of doing like a reference to stage play and stage right. acting and stuff. So, and like specifically like children's stage plays. I imagine. Yeah, exactly. These really feel like they kind of reminded me of Shelley Duvall's like mother goose theater, you know, mm-hmm. like they got famous Jeff Goldblum to be in like the three little pigs or whatever. Right. There's sort of a whimsy there. Uh, and you could show these mostly to little kids. Like there's no swearing. There's, you know, they're a little dark and a little creepy, but they have like fun, a lot of fun in them. Uh, so I liked them a lot. I would definitely recommend if you're a Wes Anderson fan at all, these are great. They're better than I would say like some of the other short films he's done, like Hotel Chevalier, Chevalier mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, Hotel Chevalier was like a prologue to the, Darjeeling Limited with Jason Schwartzman where he fucks Natalie Portman. Um, which is hey, like a good for you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey. No shame there. But uh you know, that movie is like basically just an extra scene that he turned into a little short film. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't really stand on its own, I would say. These are like really good stand on their own, like almost children storybook short mo- uh short films. Uh, with incredible production. Like, they clearly cost less than something like Asteroid City, but he makes quite a meal out of what he's got to work with, and everyone's great in them. So if you like Wes Anderson, definitely check these out. They're really great. And the three of the... Henry Sugar is 45 minutes, so it almost feels like you're going to watch a movie, but then it's, like, very quickly over. But Swan, Wretch, Catcher, and Poison, I think, are, like, 15 minutes long. So mm-hmm. you can just like pop them on like little cartoons. Um, so I like Beautiful. Them. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's go to our feature presentation, which I, as I mentioned, is 1985's Stuart Gordon's first film, the, la- the late great Stuart Gordon, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's Reanimator, based on the serial novelette Herbert West Reanimator. By H.P. Lovecraft from 1922. Uh, this is produced by Brian Yuzna, or Yuzna, I'm not really sure actually, uh, but he is the uh, director of Society and uh, The Dentist. Uh, lots of fun. He, he's a big, uh, he's a big uh, practical effects, stretchy, melty flesh guy. Yep. Um, and Brian Stuart Gordon rivaling him as the king of that genre. This is his first film. Um, and this is sort of the, uh, the very classic horror comedy, goofy, weird, gross out horror movie. Um, yeah. From the eighties. Had you seen this movie before? Nope. Never seen it. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Nope. Oh, that's very interesting. I mean, in retrospect, I've seen this poster before. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but I've never, I've never really heard of it. Strange. Interesting. So Reanimator has, I would say, quite a cult following. It's yeah, a, it's a. That's believable. Cult, it's a cult movie. Uh, it's a really gross, silly, strange movie. Um, it doesn't have. I remember watching it uh, in college, and um, 
being like, okay, we're going to see a, a Lovecraft picture. Um, and then being kind of surprised that it doesn't have anything like a Lovecraftian tone at all. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as I understand it, this is a very loose interpretation of the story. Um, this is, it's sort of loose, but it's, it's, it's just that HP Lovecraft took things very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, famously so famously so uh including race uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but he, he uh he he this is a story that's basically still just about a guy who could bring things back to life but it's done it it was one of the very first like literary depictions of zombies mm-hmm. in this way as like these sort of mindless drones that were like violent monsters reanimated um which I didn't realize. I didn't realize that H.P. Lovecraft was sort of kind of came up with that uh, variation of zombies. Um, but it's from 1922 and it's sort of, you know, in his style of like in the in the back alleys in the darkness, these people were going and robbing graves and then like you never find out. You just see like the marks of a beast on like a coffin or whatever, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I can tell, like the beats of the story are basically the same. Okay. Um, it's just, this is packed into 86 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's uh, a very like, uh, it's they, a quick they, movie. They stretch out the, uh, the credits pretty fucking far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The movie feels like almost like a, uh, like a tales of the crypt keeper special yeah. like it's uh-huh. it's really moving <laughs> <It's just laughs> one of the tightest 85s you've ever seen yeah definitely uh, so um yeah basically the movie is pretty quickly we start with herbert west uh in switzerland he is like at a medical institute in switzerland and he's trying to bring back a professor to life well we don't know that yet all we know is that this guy is just like like this guy's freaking out and then his eyes bulge out of his head and his head fucking explodes. And they're like, you killed him. And he's like, I gave him life. Right. And then the so we don't know start. what he did yet. We just know that he blew up that guy's head and framed it around <laughs> the idea of giving him life. Right. So uh, we don't know who escaped, how he escapes that situation. We get credits. Uh, and then in the most bizarre thing that I don't think I ever noticed about this movie, that the uh, credits sequence is just the psycho theme. With mm-hmm. like a disco backing track. Yep. Um, very strange. The there is like a score to this that isn't the psycho song, but uh, the psycho theme is just playing over the credits, both beginning and end. Um, not sure why. I tried to look this up, and the uh, the composer just said that he thought it would be a fun homage. Uh, <laughs> And that yeah, apparently, it's an homage. <laughs> and that just apparently, like in the, just like in the nineties, when when um, all those Vanilla bad boy Ice, records yeah. <laughs> guys would do like the hook of a really famous song as the sample yeah. in their song. <laughs> it's an homage. It's an homage. It's the way um, David Guetta homaged Eiffel sixty five for that mm-hmm. fucking "I'm Blue" song. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, he said that in the credits it was supposed to say uh, reverence and apologies to Bard, the composer of uh, of Psycho. And then they like left it out and he was pretty mad. <laughs> he was like, people are going to think I ripped it off. And they're like, well, you did, but... And who cares? Yeah, this who movie's cares? stupid as hell. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so um, 
Yeah, so he goes to Massachusetts, Arkham, Massachusetts, mm. um, uh, to continue his studies. And then uh, he rents a room from a fellow medical student named Dan, uh, Dan Kane. Uh, and he's his girlfriend, really... who's secretly his girlfriend because she's the dean's daughter. Daughter, yeah. Now, you're going to want to remember Dan and Dean, different guys. Different guy. Well, Dean Halsey and <laughs> Meg Halsey. But they very frequently call him Dean and call yes. him Dan. Yeah. I didn't find that hard to and It's also going to be really, but... it's going to be really difficult, too, because his name is Dan Kane, and you're going to keep thinking Dean Kane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but Herbert West is, um, wait, who's the, who's the other doctor? Hill, Dr. Hill. So, uh, Dr. Hill is like sort of the, uh, main professor and surgeon there. And, uh, West is the evil incel, uh, <laughs> but also our protagonist. <laughs> also kind of our protagonist who, uh, invents, we find out very quickly. He invented a liquid, a serum that just yeah. brings people back to life. He hasn't perfected it yet. There's <laughs> definitely problems with it. He's still trying to, he's just like trying to do experiments. And instead of presenting his findings and getting like funding to do it in a safe, controlled way, uh, he wants to do it in a basement secretly. He wants to get all the credit for it. He wants yeah. to figure out how to make money out of it. And for a guy um, who's doing secret experiments illegally on dead bodies or freshly dead bodies, like a guy who's doing something that you want to keep pretty under wraps, he has absolutely no fucking chill at all. Like <laughs> the first time yeah. he's in class with uh, with Dr. Hill, he's like, he's like, you fucking lunatic, you idiot. You think the brain dies in that time? You, you're so far behind the times. You're closing their minds. Yeah, that's not how it works. Um <laughs> Just instantly drawing as much attention to himself as he possibly can. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so he uh, very quickly, he gets Dan's cat killed. It's never explained if the cat actually died or he, he killed, killed it or whatever. Cat. He killed the cat. Uh, he killed the cat to do research on it. His story of how it died is like one of the funniest fake stories <laughs> in a movie. He fell into a jar. Yeah, he was he was playing in my garbage can and it fell over and a jar landed on his head and he suffocated. <laughs> I put him in the refrigerator because I didn't want you guys to... I didn't want him stinking up the place. I was going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, so um, Meg finds... Dan's girlfriend finds the cat dead and she's like, what the fuck is going on? This guy's a freak. Killed your cat. And Dan's like, I don't know. Maybe this could have been true or whatever. <laughs> uh, but he finds the cat. Uh, a big commotion is happening in the basement where he set up his lab. Um, and the cat is attacking him because he brought it back to life. He explains to Dan that he created the serum. He proves it to him by bringing the cat back to life a second time. And it's just this gnarly bundle of nerves that's screaming because and he kills it again. And the first time when he kills it for the second time, he like chucks it against the wall and you see its head like explode. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Dan, this the biggest kind of confusing part is why Dan is like helping him at all. Mm -hmm. um, but they go well, so to... He, there's some reason why he gets kicked out of the program where he gets like barred from practicing medicine or some shit like that. Dan? Yeah, there's something with that. I don't exactly remember. Um, 
but he gets in trouble too. And so the way that West convinces him to go along with him is he's like, if we can prove that the serum works and that it's real, then they have to give you your license back. Oh, yeah. And he's like, all right, <laughs> that that makes sense to me. Okay, so they go to the morgue to uh, try to bring up, bring some dead people back to life. Uh, it immediately works, and he's a sort of raging zombie. Yeah, doing kill- like um, doing like a bad comedian's Arnold voice. Yeah, and then they kill that guy again. Um, uh, oh, and then the dean comes go? in. Uh, yeah, the dean finds them doing that. Uh, and, oh yeah, and then, um, and and then, then the, the the zombie kills the dean, and so then they bring the dean back to life. And then Meg shows up, and she's like, "What the fuck is going on?" And her dad's all fucked up and zombie like. But he's and, less uh, fucked up and zombie like because he's because he fresher. Was fresher. Yeah, yeah, he's fresher. <laughs> so he's able to like recognize things from his life. So he's like ashamed of himself for being a zombie or something, and yeah, he goes and hides, hides in the corner. In the corner. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so the cops come and they like try to figure out what's going on um they're convinced by west's story that uh that the guy was going crazy and then hall dr uh, dean halsey uh killed him with a buzzsaw and sort of went mad and so he's in like a straight jacket yeah and so meg is just like what the fuck is going on dan tries to come clean with her and it's like he's got this thing that brings people back to life but um while uh, West is working in, in his laboratory, um, Dr. Hill comes by and he's like, I think I get what you're doing. I'm going to steal all your shit. Um, I'm going to blackmail you. I'm going to call, try to make people think you're a murderer unless you give me your serum. And because uh, he like realizes it's real now and he wants to like work on it. And so West... Uh, just cuts his head off with a shovel. Yep, kills him with a shovel, cuts his head apart, and, and then, then immediately reanimates both sides. <laughs> just his head and his body back to life. Um, and, and again, like, because this one's fresh, and because I guess Hill is a more powerful doctor, <laughs> he's he's even more in control than the other previous iterations. He's able to not only uh, like understand things and like you know maneuver and whatever but he's is doing this all with his head and body disconnected right so he can so he he, his uh, head of course this is a very important thing by the way Uh, his head needs to breathe uh (laughs) it's a very stupid thing that happens when they sneak back into the lab and um he's got like his head in a fucking like bowling ball bag and he like zips it open and he goes like (gasps) that's better yeah (laughs) (laughs) fucking stupid <laughs> yeah, and so uh not connected to lungs anymore. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Uh so yeah, he's carrying his own head around because his body is is separate, but he can still control himself. So he goes and figures out a way to lobotomize uh the dean um to like control him. Yeah, um, so this is something some he figures laser. out is yeah, he uses a laser and lobotomizes the reanimated dead and that makes them subservient to him. Yes. Uh, and so then, by the way, we didn't point this out, but the serum is extremely like eighties glowing juice. It's, it's ooze. Yeah. It's ooze from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. It looks cool. And, uh, so you're going to want to drink it. Don't drink it. Don't drink it. It doesn't taste like sunny delight. Yep. Don't drink it. <laughs> it tastes it like poison. 
Um, you would want it to taste like Sunny Delight, but it doesn't. Or Ecto Cooler, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so he figures out how to do that. Um, how does he capture Meg? I always get lost in how all this part works. But basically, uh, West is like Dan. He's fucked. He's I think he just tells up. the Dean to go get her or some shit, and he just does. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so she shows up, and she faints, and then they strap her to the table. Uh, the Dean is no longer, you know, any part of himself. Now he's a, just a reanimated zombie drone being controlled by Dr. Hill. Dr. Hill instructs him to strap her to the table and strip her naked so that he can rape her. Yeah, with his disembodied head, Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, famously. Um, and that happens... Uh, but then West shows up and is like, you're gross. What the fuck? I'm very <laughs> this disappointed is, uh, in this you. This is bad. <laughs> I would never do that. Uh, and uh, then he's like, well, how are you going to stop me? And he's like, I have a plan. And he's like, so do I. And then he has zombified every other corpse in the place. Um, oh, also, Dan is sneaking behind on, on you know, freeing her. Yeah. And, uh as this happens, then all the zombies come up and they all start attacking. Then the basically the end is a big zombie fight. Yep. Um, oh, another thing that happens in this part, uh, there's only one black guy in the movie and he's the security guard in front of the morgue. He's um, the bumbling security guard. Bumbling security guard. He doesn't care about nothing. Uh, and then during he's this... He's reading Boudoir. He's reading Boudoir. And during this scene, after they go inside, uh, he goes, all right, break time, and goes to the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of fun stuff with uh, Dr. Hill not having a body or his head being, un- you know, disconnected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the big zombie fight happens um, and uh, West injects Dr. Hill's body with two oozes. Yeah. Um, and which in causes the first his scene- body to like everything about his body becomes sentient i guess <laughs> yeah so in the first scene giving an overdose to somebody makes their head explode in this scene giving an overdose to somebody makes them turn into a you know a a, a lovecraftian cthulhu type you know uh tentacle monster so his uh his intestines become tentacles and they wrap around dr west and pull him in and he says save my save my shit my research save my work oh no uh, and then he sort of like gets eaten by the rib cage or whatever yeah um that part's cool and then dan uh he gets all he gets the bag and runs and 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 then uh, a zombie attacks meg and uh chokes her out yeah breaks her trachea and dan takes her to the emergency room and tries to revive her but she's dead and then he's like well one more couldn't hurt. <laughs> what, what's the harm, you know? <laughs> uh, and then she's revived and screaming, and then we cut to black. Yeah. Um, and that is Reanimator. <laughs> now, it doesn't sound like you like this movie very I much. I did not like this movie very much. <laughs> what? Um, I it's listen. It's so fun. It's fun. It's goofy. It's, it's campy. Funny. It's it's got a lot of fun effects. Yeah. So all that stuff is is all well and good. I just my feeling about it is that uh it's not funny enough to like really stand on its own as a comedy and it's not scary enough to stand on its own as a horror so it's kind of it's a it's a you know 
it's it's not really mastering either of its trades. So that's a problem for me. And hmm. in terms of gore, I just like I mean, there's better gore out there than this. <laughs> like there's fun effects in this, but I don't know. A lot of times it's like uh, I don't know. It didn't really like when we get to the end and like you've got you know Doctor Hill's head sitting in like the blood bath and stuff. That's nice. And I what, like the the final scene is. I like, like how payoff, fucked I think. he he sounds when he's talking and stuff. That's all really nice. Yeah. I just I don't know. It just like I mean nothing about it was like really like standing out in terms of of quality. I guess. I think that's totally fair i think that this movie this movie gets a lot of points from me for being first Mm -hmm. you know for being this over the top and sort of laying the groundwork for a type of movie that i really like yeah um which is an insanely you know gore fest special effects extravaganza that doesn't take itself very seriously and isn't trying to scare you Mm -hmm. like Nothing in this movie feels like it's actually trying to make you jump or <laughs> or like feel any actual terror or anything but like heh crazy yes. you know and I I like that kind of horror movie that's my I do, you know. I mean I do too I like trauma movies a lot um but like yeah yeah exactly it's just like I feel like I needed this to make me laugh a little harder for it to really do that for me Mm. Uh, whereas like today watching final destination i was fucking cracking up (laughs) at those deaths you know like every time you know the fucking when i like i told you when the chick fucking flies off the gymnastics thing and just splatters on the floor (laughs) i rewound it and watched it a few times just laughing my ass off at it like this yeah i just i mean it got a few laughs out of me but like i don't know not really big ones the biggest laugh for me probably was when the cat is dead and he's trying to explain it to them and he's like you could have left a note and he said what would the content of the note be cat dead see me (laughs) details later details later (laughs) yeah uh yeah i think you know i agree it's not the funniest one of these kinds of movies and it's not the craziest one of these movies Stuart Mm -hmm. gordon uh would go on to um to do much stranger things with From Beyond and Dolls and uh, Castle Freak in 1995. Yeah. Um, and I think, and Dagon, especially. Um, I love Stuart Gordon. I consider him one of my favorite American directors. Um, and they're all very stupid. Like, they're, there's nothing cool. There's nothing, like, to chew on there. It's all spectacle it's all silly over the top fx fun and they're all bad acting and like that's Mm. just some this flavor i think is just something i really enjoy yeah um and i think when i first saw it i had seen a couple of these kinds of things evil dead 2 comes to mind Mm -hmm. um army of darkness and i think this movie kind of like paves the way for that stuff and when i saw it i think i kind of had a similar reaction where it was like this movie is pretty cool towards the end and it gets really fun for like 10 minutes Mm -hmm. (laughs) and everything else is sort of just leading up to that um this time watching it i think i appreciated how crazy the west performance is Mm -hmm. like (laughs) he's really out there with this um especially because he plays the sort of hill character in from beyond 
Uh, he plays the guy who turns into a, a monster next, uh-huh. and he goes even more over the top and is like, his pineal gland becomes like a weird tentacle coming out of his <laughs> head and stuff. Um, so it's sort of just of a piece, and I have a lot of like, I have a lot of fond feelings for this type of movie. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's the best one by any means. Like I, I think that in terms of Evil Dead 2 was a lot more fun. Have you seen Evil Dead 2? Yes. Yeah, like think that's a lot more fun. I think most of Stuart Gordon's uh, filmography after this is a lot of a lot more fun. I, I mean, honestly, I think society is a lot more fun than this and has a better payoff. Mm. You know, like I know you didn't like that movie I yet, did that not much. Like that one. Um, but I I think that uh, I think we can at least agree that the ending sequence of that is more fun than the ending sequence of this. Yeah. Um, and they're both similarly. I will say I think that the movie portion of Reanimator is probably better than the movie portion of Society because Society is really, really like B grade there mm-hmm. uh, in terms of acting. Um, this has like a fun vibe, like this has a fun, spooky, Halloweeny, uh, like aesthetic. Yes. With all the ooze and the mad scientist stuff and a lot of like fun directorial choices. Like I love the sequence uh, when the cat is going crazy when he first and like the whole oh, and the light is... just keeps swinging. I love that because you can picture yeah. the you can picture the guy up there just swinging it because it's just <laughs> it's unnaturally just continuously swinging. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the effect it has is really cool. And I, yeah. and I and it's all a single like take. And I think Stuart Gordon is like taking a lot of fun challenges and doing weird things with the scenes. And there's there's like a real sort of like horror Tim Burton-y tone to this movie um, that I really appreciate. Um, so I like it. I, I don't... It's definitely not the best of these kinds of movies, but as a, as a sort of progenitor and one of the first, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get why we, you would be sort of middling on it. I mean, did you hate it? No, I didn't hate it. I had a decent time watching it. I wouldn't say I was like... I was not like begging for it to end or anything like that. I was like, <laughs> how could you? you barely get any time? I know. It. Right. I was chuckling. <laughs> you know, I was like having a decent time with it, but I definitely at the end of it, I was like, all right. Eh, yeah. No, that's, I think that that's a totally reasonable assessment of it as a movie. Like it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a column three. It's a column three for me. I think that's very fair. It's not, this is as, as these types of movies go, there are much, much more successful ones that are much more fun, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I th- I kind of want to put it in a, in, a, in a perspective of like, as a genre cult film, like it's historical place. Like I think it is important and cool and fun. Sure. And... Uh, you know, I would recommend it um, to the kind of person who would like this movie. Like, if you liked Evil Dead 2, if you liked... Um, what kind of movies are like this? <laughs> I'm having trouble thinking of a ton of I mean, of I kept thinking of, like... I, the thing that I kept comparing it against was, in terms of gore, I was like, Riccio is more fun than this. 
Mm. Riccio is well. That's that is a very. It's a different uh, kind of movie, but I it's mean, a in different terms kind of, like, of movie. The glee that you take and the absurd, over the top gore. I just kept thinking in this. I'm like, it's a little restrained, you know. <laughs> like for sure, they pull yeah. their punches a few times. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think what Stuart Gordon does later, if you if you've seen any of those movies, uh, Castle Freak, um, if you like that kind of stuff, you will like this one. It's a fun. It, if you're looking for a not actually scary, but very gory Halloweeny movie. This is a fun time. I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's got, it's got a lot of fun mood to it. I think more than anything, this kind of stuff. I kind of, I think the thing is that I kind of think of this kind of movie as like a little like roller coaster dark ride or like listening to a orange cassette that has like spooky stories and sure. sounds on it. Like it's not really about like, being a a great film or anything you know mm-hmm. um but this kind of stuff is just a flavor that i really like um and i definitely can imagine most i mean most people don't like that kind of flavor that's why they're cult movies right like this isn't right. regarded as like the funnest thing ever but like the people who like this kind of thing love this kind of thing mm-hmm. um so it's just of such it's just a very specific uh taste and if it sounds like you want to watch <laughs> a body hold a head try to rape a woman uh and that sounds kind of funny to you and you're gross, gonna want to check this one out you're it's gonna probably the only check. place that happens <laughs> yeah um but i mean that's the thing like some people will hear that and just be like that's horrific and even in and and the fact that you'd even like want to say that phrase and like have anything but disgust Mm. in your tone uh don't watch this like it's not in my estimation like anywhere near the most like over the top gory gross out offensive thing but it is in that legacy and like you said trauma stuff like it it's it kind of inspired that whole vibe uh so this is for a very specific person and I, honestly, the kind of person who likes this kind of stuff probably has already seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you somehow like are younger and you missed this one, but you like this kind of like grody uh, practical effects horror stuff, it's an obvious recommend. But I think Jeremy's a good example of someone who's just like, it's not something that it's not a taste they're craving. Yeah, it's not something that I'm it's not something I'm craving often and when I am craving it, I think there's better stuff than this. So, yeah. my feeling is this is a this is a not recommend but not a very harsh not recommend. Yeah. And mine is not a very high recommend. Like definitely don't don't rush out for this. Don't rush out to see anima- Reanimator unless but I I I guess I I guess it's like a it's a solid recommend for a Halloween movie, you know? Like mm-hmm. If you can handle, you know, horror. If you're trying you know. to fill a 30 days of Halloween, this Great. would be a good. This would be a good pick to throw in there. Yeah, they're not all gonna be knockouts. And you don't want it to be. You want some nice quick ones like this. This is a yeah. good quick one. It's a good quick one. It feels like a Tales from the Crypts episode with extra fun uh, special effects. Yeah. Uh, fun movie. I'm glad we got to watch it. Uh, you know. But it's not an everyday type of movie. (laughs) 
do not uh, watch this every day. Do not watch it every day. Don't watch it on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Don't watch it on Christmas. It's a Halloween movie. Um what before we before we go, uh I don't know if I've ever asked you this. Like in terms of in terms of movies with this vibe, what would you say like your favorite one is? My favorite like gory, stupid horror campy movie? Yeah. Um I think Jason Lives. <laughs> Wait, that's 7, right? 6, I think. 6, um, 6, 6. Yeah. 6 is awesome. Yeah, Jason Lives is the premium stupid horror comedy <laughs> movie. There's very few movies that I like better. Uh, this time of year i try to watch it once a year um it's a great yeah. fucking time it's so no, I'm, dumb i'm much more of a fan of i think we've talked about this i'm much more of a fan of nightmare mm-hmm. but when it comes to friday the 13th four and six yeah yeah can't be beat can't be beat six jason is lives is such so a funny. good time it's so funny um it's the first one where they give uh jason goku strength and <laughs> it just rocks <laughs> it's like yeah. the first scene in the movie he just punches a hole through a guy it's great <laughs> yeah uh and you know i i i consider that kind of stuff like a legacy from from these movies you know mm-hmm. like uh if without reanimator you wouldn't have gotten that silly like you you know you would never really would have gotten to this sort of specific vibe in the 80s and uh i like it for that reason mm-hmm. um so okay that's reanimator goofy silly movie not for everybody yep uh thanks so much for listening this has been spooky month season two episode <laughs> two uh <laughs> uh next week we are watching hang on oh this is crazy. We're watching something called Martyrs next week. Mm. Um, I'm not excited about this because <laughs> from what I understand, Martyrs is a f- psychological horror m- torture movie that is not fun. It's a scary movie, and mm. I don't like being scared. <laughs> <laughs> and that might come as a surprise to some of you because I love horror movies so much, and I have seen so many of them. Mm. But most of the time, I don't actually find them scary. Most of the time, I like movies like jason lives and and Uh reanimator this looks like it's not gonna be in english oh no (laughs) french um yes it's french uh so that's strap in folks already something we (laughs) would french psychological horror (laughs) uh that reminds me of uh hot tension you ever seen high tension no it's a French horror you know movie. No, I haven't. <laughs> I don't know. It was very popular. It was in theaters, and uh, that's the one where it's like, uh, it begins with like a truck. It's like a truck driver who's like murdering French girls in the woods. It like begins where like he's getting his dick sucked in his uh, nice in his uh, thing, and then he just like he's like, Wah! and then he uh, he like holds a head out the window and drops it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like he was using a head as a flashlight yeah um uh so that movie's crazy and um is really stupid it's 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 like takes itself very seriously and then has one of the dumbest twist endings of all time at the end Mm. um so i'm hoping it's better than that um but yeah so next week will be martyrs no idea how i'm gonna feel about this uh 
So I'm I'm kind of excited, but I'm kind of scared. I don't I'll have to watch it in the daytime. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. So thanks so much for listening to Generation Loss Spooky Month. We'll be back next week. If you'd like to hear more of the show and you'd like to hear uh, our coverage of Sense Eight, that uh, just came out on the bonus episode. Uh, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/GenerationLoss and join uh, La Cosa Nostra, the Sopranos tier, where we get to vote on what show we're watching on the bonus episodes like i said this month it is sense eight uh season two um will be at the end of this month and then we will be voting again so if you want to get in on the vote go there get your votes in get your nominations in rock the um, vote i'm gonna be watching a lot of whatever we vote on uh on tour i guess <laughs> um so that'll be fun um uh you can also join the dark council and decide on what the themes of the months are uh and that's also a lot of fun so go to patreon.com generation loss and check it out otherwise follow us on twitter at gen loss pod follow us individually from there and until next time that's, that's movies, movies.